We're working through uh, the beginning part of Genesis as a church uh, together. If you missed last week, uh, you missed chapter 1 where God made the world out of nothing. And, and if you're familiar with the story, you remember God uh, speaks the word and, and things just come into existence. So he speaks the word and light appears and he speaks the word and um, you know the sky appears. He speaks the word and plants and animals and all life appears. But at the crowning moment of creation, at the, uh, at the close of day six, God makes mankind, and he makes mankind special uh, out of everything that was created. And the way we know that mankind was made special is that because God discussed the creation of man before he made him and said, let's make this man in our image. And so he made male and female in his image. Uh, and we have this special relationship with God because we as people are image bearers of God. Um, we, we, we look like God in some ways. I mean, I, mean, I know um, I'm working on the Buddha body right now, right? So I'm working on, on a God-like physique right now. But, um, you know, we, we, we don't necessarily physically look like God. God is a spirit, right? He's not, he's not something that, that, that's physical except when he was in the incarnation with Christ. Um, but but we, have, uh, we have attributes um, that are similar to God's. We're creative, right? We have the ability to have authority and dominion over the th- other things that God has made. And all of those are elements of what God has in abundance. Uh, we have a degree of that in ourselves. So after God has made the world, he institutes the Sabbath, the idea that we should rest. I hope this week um, you have taken time to rest. I hope that you've taken time um, out of the busyness that life can be um, to reconnect and refresh and be ready um, for the next week that God has before you. If not, um, today's a good day to do that, okay? Today's a good day to Sabbath, to rest, um, to pour out your, 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 your busyness uh, and just enjoy the rest that God has given to us. But now we're in Genesis chapter 2. We're starting in verse 5 today. So if you have your, your Bible, open to Genesis chapter 2. It's at the very beginning. If you don't know where Genesis is, it's the very first book of the Bible. Um, and so you go to the very first book of the Bible, and we're on probably page 2 of your Bible, right? Where we're in Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 5. And this is what the Bible says in Genesis 2, starting in verse 5. It says, When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not yet caused it to rain on the land, And there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. It was then that the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden and in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. Then out of the ground the Lord had Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so we have this kind of zoomed in look at creation. Genesis chapter 1 gives us a broad scale look at creation. And then Genesis chapter 2, we focus in on what's happening when God has made mankind. And what we need to understand about this early time in human history, the earliest time in human history that ever was, it was dramatically different than it is today. Right? God makes a point of that when he points out that like the whole like surface of the world was different 
than we experience today, right? There's this mist that, that's going across the surface of the earth. And that word mist is kind of hard to translate because it's only used like one other time in all of Hebrew literature. And so it's not an easy word for us to understand what it means. It could literally mean a mist, like we experienced um, a mist a couple of days ago, and then yesterday we experienced a torrent of rain, right? Uh, but, but there's a mist that just kind of goes out and gets you wet. But it could also mean underground rivers, that the, the, the surface of the waters were, were, were under, the, under the ground and everything was kind of watered from underground rivers that, that weren't evident to the eye and that the ground was wet. We don't really know what the word means, but that's not really the important part of this beginning story about the creation of man. What's important for us to know is that the world was dramatically different. And then God looked down, and, and on day six of creation, he says, I'm going to make this man. And so he forms him out of dust of the earth. He scoops him together and, and kind of Plato molds this, this person together. And then God breathes the breath of life into him. Now, this is an important thing. It's important to know that, that we uh, achieve life through the breath of God, right? We, we live at the pleasure of God. God gave us life, and that is the, the reason we exist today. That's good for us to note for ourselves, to humble ourselves, to remind ourselves that there is nothing that we're doing um, that makes our life particularly um, livable outside of the fact that God has given us breath. It's also good for us as we look at other people. You know, I really struggle sometimes when I look at other people, and I know, like, man, I am better than that person. And I've got my stuff together. I don't have my stuff together, by the way. Um, but compared to some people, I look like I have my stuff together, right? I look like I've got my, my monkeys all lined up in a nice row. Uh, and so I look at other people, and I can easily grow prideful and look down on other people. You know, the same breath of life that God breathed into me whenever I was formed in my mother's womb, same breath of life that he breathed into every individual on this earth. Every person on this earth is unique and special and valuable to God. And that concept that, there's, that, that every person, the, the good to the bad, you know, we had this uh, major issue going on in, in uh, Iran. I guess it's still somewhat going on, right? There was a general terrorist, label him how you want, it doesn't really bother me. Um, but but we, we said, this guy's got to go, and we kill this guy. And, like, that's probably a fair thing to do. My brother and I were debating this together, and I was kind of on the side of, like, I don't know, if you've got a terrorist, I mean, killing them seems like the right thing to do. You can be on the other side. You can be sovereignty of nations. I don't really care where you fall on this thing. But, but what, we, what we have to do is we have to understand that while that person was wicked and evil and bad in almost every way that we would define the word bad, they existed on this earth because God had breathed his breath into them. And they were precious and valuable and important to God. And any time one of those lives is snuffed out because of their own wickedness, it's a tragedy that it happens. Tragedies have to happen sometimes, right? Sometimes that, that it's necessary for tragic things to take place. But, but it's not a moment for us to celebrate the death of somebody. We can celebrate the end of, of a guy's reign of terror. But that, that man met his maker on that moment. And that was a tough day for him. Not a tough day because out of nowhere <laughs> bombs exploded on him. It's a tough day because he, he went face to face with Jesus Christ, the man who, who, who I'm sure he had adamantly rejected. That's a tough thing. 
right? And so while we can be thankful that, that maybe there, there's better peace and stability going forward, and we hope that that's the case, honestly, that's our prayer, is that peace and stability will follow from this. Um, we don't celebrate the death of a person, right? Because, because that was not a positive thing. We can celebrate the results, but don't celebrate the death. I know it's kind of, kind of, kind of weird, and it's not really even the point here, just to say that God makes everyone special, even those people that are absolutely wicked or precious to God. But God makes this, this man, and then he puts him, uh, and then he makes this garden. And, and the Garden of Eden is something that is, that is really the focal point of Genesis chapter 2, at least the first part that we're going to be in today. And what's going on in the Garden of Eden is God is making a perfect place for mankind to be. Right? And as the, the garden is described at the beginning here, at the end of the passage that I just read, we see that God formed it, um, and then he made all the trees that are pleasing to look at. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't often look at trees and say, that tree is pleasing to look at. Now, I've been in forests and looked around and be like, hey, this is beautiful. And part of us has a deep, innate longing for that. Uh, I don't know if, I think this is true of everybody, maybe it's just true of me. But, you know, there's something about being cooped up inside all the time. You know, I work primarily in my office down there, and then I drive in my car, and then I go into my house, and I can spend less than, I don't know, 60 seconds outside a day pretty easily. It would not be hard for me to accomplish less than 60 seconds outside in a day uh, for me. But there's something inside of me that needs to be out in what God has made, right? To be around the creation of God, to experience you know, sunlight and trees and grass and the whole concept of what God has made. I really think there's an innate longing. It's a deep, long memory of humanity, right? Our ancestral forefathers and foremothers, right, Adam and Eve, were made for a special place that God had made. And there's a longing in our hearts for that. There's a longing in our hearts to return to that. And there's a promise in in Revelation chapter 22, 21 and 22, that that's where we're going, right? That when heaven is recreated uh, and the earth is recreated, we're placed in a place that resembles very closely the garden that God had made in the beginning. The place where we were is the place where we will be, and our hearts have a deep longing for that. But God made this place to bless people. You understand that? God made the Garden of Eden solely for us. Someone came to me after the service last week, and, and they had questions about Genesis and the, the whys and the hows, and, and one of the questions that was asked, you know, kind of led towards this thing of like, well, why are we here? Why, do, why did God make us if there's going to be? We know the story, right? We're not going to get there this week. That'll be next week, but sin is coming, right? There's an opportunity to sin, but in the garden, right, God gives them, them the, these trees, and, and sin is coming. Why would God do that? And, and the answer was, well, God made a perfect place for us, and then he made that perfect place with us to have our image-bearing choices to matter. And so, so God gave us the choice to choose to obey or to disobey him, to choose to sin or to choose to continue to live underneath his authority. God gave us that choice because choice is sometimes better than being a puppet having to do what we're programmed to do and never having a chance to fall short. But God made this garden as a blessing for mankind. And you know, every blessing that comes from God, every single blessing 
that comes from God is because he intends for it to be that way. God made us, he created you with an intention to bless you. He desires to bless you. Now, that, that may look different day to day than, than, than some other people, but he desires to bless you, you know? Like, he has a plan and a purpose for your life, and he desires to bless you, just like he desired to bless Adam and Eve by placing them in a perfect place. Today, in 2020, he desires to bless you. He has, he has a purpose to, 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 to bless you in your life. Continuing down in verse 10, um, it says, A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. And there it divided, and it became four great rivers. The first is the Pishon, um, and it is the one that flowed around the whole land of the Havilah, where the gold is. And the gold there is good. Um, Bdelium and onyx stone are there as well. The name of the second river is the Gihon. Uh, it is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the river, third river is the Tyrus, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. Now, now, this is weird to me. You know, sometimes I read the Bible and I'm like, why this? You ever, you ever read that? You're reading and you're like, okay, we've got a story about a garden. God makes a garden. He puts these special trees there, right? Before we get to man being put in the garden, that's going to be like the next verse right there, that, that, that God's going to put man in the garden. Before he even puts man in the garden, we get this random story about this river that leaves the garden and splits up into four different rivers. Right, and, and, and if you're like me, if, you're, if you think like I do, you're like, I would have just skipped that. Seems like some unnecessary details that don't help us any, but the reason those details are in there, I'm, I'm 100% convinced, is because God is trying to communicate through Holy Scripture. This garden is a very real place. It's a historically accurate place. It's a geographic place on earth. It's not an idea. It's not a concept. It's a real place. And while I don't know two, two of those rivers that are listed there, I could not tell you where exactly those rivers are. Two of those I do know, right? I know the Tigris and the Euphrates. I was learning that in, back in sixth grade when we were learning about ancient civilizations in Mesopotamia, right? Like I've got a couple of rivers in, deep in my mind here, but God is trying to communicate those places are real. The garden was real. This thing that we're going to talk about was an actual occurrence. It's not some myth that's made up. It's not an allegory for something else. It was a real thing that took place in a real place at a real time for us. And that garden was a real thing for us. And then God, right, as we're talking about the blessings of God, right, God's blessings likewise are real. They're real for here and now. Like the Garden of Eden was a here and now thing. God has blessings for you here and now. Sometimes we think about God's blessings and we always look forward. Right? We think one day when I, when I die and I meet Jesus face to face, then I will experience the blessings of God. But God is in the business of blessing his people here and then. Right? It's a now and later sort of promise. It's a present tense and a future tense promise that God desires to bless us. We are so blessed by God now. And those blessings come from Him and they're real today. Don't look forward to future blessings only. Do look forward to future blessings. They're there. It's better on the other side of the river. But today God has given you amazingly good things. He has blessed you tremendously. I know that because you're here today listening to me in this place. 
How fortunate are you? You're like, well, Matt, you're not that good of a preacher. I'm probably not that good of a preacher, but we do have heat and light and borderline comfortable chairs, okay? It depends on the pew you sat in today, okay? Right? We do have heat and light. You live in, you live in the United States of America in the year 2020. You are tremendously blessed. You don't need to look anywhere else. God has given you tremendous blessings. You're probably able to look to your left or to your right and see someone around you, whether they're a family or friend, that you can say, God has been good to me to give me this person in my life. When I look out from here, I get to see that. I get to see this church and think how fortunate I am to have these people in my life. God's blessings are here and now, and the blessings are indeed from God. Every good and perfect gift that we have in our lives is from God. Sometimes we think it's luck, sometimes we think it's fate, sometimes we think we just stumbled into it. But if you have something today that you're thankful for, if you have something today that you're grateful for, that was God being good to you. Our gratitude should flow directly to God because God has been good to us. How great that is, and that our blessings aren't all tomorrow. You know, it's not all tomorrow blessings, it's today blessings. And those today blessings promise us that if God blesses yesterday and today, the tomorrow blessings will be even sweeter. That return to the garden that's promised in Revelation, that is a good promise of God. And we hold to that promise that when Jesus comes back and righteousness is reestablished on this earth, at the end of that, the end of all of that, God will bless us tremendously with the right home. A home where war and death and sickness and sorrow are memories and love and joy and peace are present every day. We have present blessings And we have future blessings, but don't lose sight of the present blessings just because you're staring down the future blessings. And don't lose sight of the future blessings because you're so caught up in today. We live now with an eye to the future because God has a plan for us in front of us that's so much better than where we are right now. Picking up in verse 15, it says, Then the Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it, and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for then the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So God makes this garden. He makes this real garden in this real place, and then He picks up man that He's formed and He's breathed life into. And he places him in the garden with two things to do. One is a responsibility that mankind has. Right? He says, you will work the garden. Now, this isn't the same work that's going to happen uh, in like a chapter. This is, this is the work of like, you'll go and tend to what I have already made. And it's not going to be toilsome labor. It's going to be a labor of love. You know, there's some things that we just love doing. Right? And, and you can go and you can spend eight hours doing that thing. Like some, I know people who love to fish. Right? And you can get them out on a boat or on a pier somewhere, and they will sit there all day long. Right? And there's other people who, who work to fish. 
right? And they go to work, and they get on a boat, and they go out into the Gulf, and they fish all day long, and they come home smelling a fish and hating their lives, right? Now, they both did the same job, but some people love it, and some people hate it. I hope, by the way, that whatever your vocation is, whatever it is that you've actually found yourself doing for the 40 hours a week that you have to have to pay your bills, I hope it's something that you enjoy, I hope it's something that you can look at and say, boy, I enjoy it. And if it's not something you enjoy, I hope it's something you only do for 40 hours and you can get away and you can find something you like to do for the rest of your time, right? Sometimes you just got to pay the bills, right? But God put Adam there and it was work to keep the garden, but it was the labor of love work. It was the fishing for pleasure work. It was, it was the woodworking because you enjoy working with tools work. It wasn't the, I've got to make this because if I don't make this, I don't get to eat sort of work, though I guess Adam wouldn't have gotten to eat. We'll work that out later, okay? Right, God gave Adam this job, this responsibility, work the garden that I've made for you. But there's a responsibility, but there's also a rule that God lays out. And God lays out one rule for Adam, just one. This is not that hard of a rule either. He's like, everything here that's producing food you can eat, just not this one here, all right? So I don't know how big the garden was. Maybe it was, you know, 200 acres, or maybe it was, you know, 30 feet across by 30 feet across. However big the garden was, though, Adam had a very clear rule. Everything is for your benefit. We got one thing here, stay away from. Right, and this is kind of the way God's blessings work sometimes in our lives. Right? God gave Adam this wonderful blessing of putting him in a perfect place for him. The place he was made and created to go. But you know, God's blessings are often conditional. You see this in the book of Deuteronomy where there's blessings and curses. Where if, if you'll obey God and you'll put God first and you'll honor God, you'll be blessed. Your children will be blessed. But if you don't, then you'll incur the wrath of God on the other side. Many of God's blessings are conditional. God loves you unconditionally because he made you, but some of the blessings of God are conditional. Some of the enjoyment of what you can get from being a follower of God is conditional on your obedience. You know this in your regular relationships. I am married to Danielle Higginbottom. She is the love of my life. I am so lucky to have her, but if I treat her poorly, if I take advantage of her, if I'm rude to her, and this has happened once, at least, in our marriage. Once, at least, in our marriage. Where I've been less than perfect in the way in which I've spoken to my wife, or I've treated my wife. You know what? That, that perfect gift that God gave me and my wife all of a sudden seemed very sour. Right? All of a sudden, my, my relationship, what, what, what I would expect to receive as like a give and take of a loving relationship became very sour is a good word for it, right? It just wasn't what it should be. It's not that my wife didn't love me because I was being a jerk. It's that I wasn't going to get the best things from her. I wasn't going, she wasn't going to make my favorite dinner. Right? She wasn't going to make dinner at all. She probably was just going to kick me when I came in, right? She, right, right, she wasn't going to take care of me the way that, that, that I'm used to being taken care of by her because I wasn't doing what I was called to do. I wasn't meeting up to my responsibilities. What I agreed to do when I stood on a stage very much like this, and I promised her that I would love her and cherish her and honor her, right, in sickness and in health and in good and bad and rich and poor and all these promises that we make when we're standing in a church or out in a field somewhere next to a barn. That's a thing now, right? right whenever you go and do that, 
right? Some of you are like, I'm building a barn right now so I can make that happen, right? That's a good business out here in Milan County. Go get it, um, right? But we make all these promises before God and our friends and some preacher or a friend of ours who randomly got ordained on the internet. That's also happening and shouldn't be, by the way. That's just a side note. That's, that's, that's some shady nonsense. But we make these promises, we said, we'll do all these things. And when we fail to meet up to them, all of a sudden we experience conflict in our marriages. Right? And it's the same thing with God. God has made this perfect blessings for us. He desires to bless us and to, to give us the good of our lives, whatever that is. I'm not talking about just money and stuff like that because God, it's not really about that. But when we run from God, when we disobey God, whenever God lays out a rule and we purposefully disobey it, we experience the opposite end of that. Right? A lot of the blessings of God come conditionally. Adam was allowed to stay in that garden so long as he followed God's one rule. And it doesn't seem that hard. But you know, if you only get one rule, you're always going to be going up against it. Right? Like, like there's, I mean, there's probably a lot of rules when you're driving. Like, I'm not a police officer, okay? Probably a lot of rules. But there's one that they throw at you all the time. Right? Your phone tells you it's like speed limit. And, you know, that speed limit for me is like, it's like speed recommendation, right? <laughs> right? The state of Texas has said this road is safe at this thing, but I'm like, they don't know my driving ability, right? So I figure I can push it a little bit above that. You know, there's one major rule as you drive. There's other things. Don't, don't, don't use your turn signal inappropriately and don't kill people. I don't know. Whatever. Rules of the road. I'm a licensed driver, okay? Don't judge me. But <laughs> you're driving down the road. And you see the line, and it says speed limit 70. And, and, and if you're a good driver, not if you're me, but if you're a good driver, you're like, okay, I can drive 70. And you slow down to 70 miles an hour. You get as close to breaking that law as you can. Right? You know that? You get, like, there's one major rule. They throw it on a sign, and you're like, I'll get as close. And if you're like me, you're like, eh, I can go 74. Right? That's, that's what you think. Or 78 or whatever it is, whatever you think is the safe number that they're not going to get you. Right? Um, it's, I don't know, right? But we're naturally that way. When we have just a rule, we naturally push towards the edge of that rule, right? You tell your kids, you're not leaving this room, and they walk to the door frame, right? And they stick their toes over it, and they're like, eh? <laughs> Haven't left yet, right? We, you give the rules. Some, some people get really worried when I get close to the edge of the stage, so I'll back up. Like we give rules, and then we get, we get close to them. And that's what, that's what Adam, you know, we, we had this one rule. There's a tree in the middle of the garden. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we'll talk about that next week, about what exactly that looks like. And, uh, well, that may be in two weeks. But we're going to talk about that in depth, about exactly what that tree was. But God said specifically, avoid that. And if you avoid that tree, you can live in this perfect place forever. You'll experience all of God's blessings now, we've, we've gone past that line, right? Sin has entered into the world. There's brokenness in this world today. We're on the back end of the fall of mankind. And the rules that God has laid out are a little bit more in-depth now, right? It's not just don't eat this one tree, right? We have all sorts of things that we know how to honor God by obeying, by doing things and by avoiding other things. As I'll tell you this, though, if, you, if you'll begin to model your life underneath the guidance that God has laid out in Holy Scripture, 
you'll begin to experience the blessings of God in your life in ways that maybe you haven't recently. Because God's blessings are often conditional. You know, heaven is a conditional blessing of God. The condition is, do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ to bear the burden of your sin? You trusted that he died on the cross for your sin, he rose again so that you could be forgiven. It's a conditional promise. If you don't believe, you have not met that condition. But the blessed life here on earth, there's conditions around that as well. And my desire for you, my desire for myself, is that whatever it is that God intended to do for me for good, however many good things God intended to give me, I would like to get as many of those as possible. Right? I don't know how many that is. I don't know what all that is. But I do know if I live a disobedient life to what God has asked me to do, I'm walking away from some of those blessings of God. And I don't want that for myself. And I don't want it for you. Adam and Eve were given the perfect place to live because God loves them so much. God loves you tremendously. He desires to do good for you today. The question is, will you live your life in obedience to his will so you can experience all of the goodness of God? God is good. He desires to do good for you. So serve him, love him, pursue him this week and experience what God has for you on the back end. We don't obey God for blessings. We obey God because it's the right thing to do. But God has promised throughout Scripture to bless those who bless Him.